0: Matthew chapter 1 this morning Matthew chapter 1 Before we get started, I just want to reiterate a couple things that Renee was mentioning during announcements. Once again, hey guys, don't forget to mark down January 7th. Pastor Rich is starting up a new Saturday morning men's Bible study and prayer time doing the book of Daniel. Come out, grab a cup of coffee, have a donut. Great time of fellowship, encouragement, accountability. And just a thank you again, I know it was mentioned earlier, for everybody that helped out with the angel tree and the Christmas meals. What a blessing it was to those families to be able to tell them, listen, we give this to you in the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus. It's not about necessarily the food it's not about the gift it's about being able to represent christ during this season thank you for all those that participated and got a wonderful opportunity to really just uh, show the love of christ and outreach there and one more thing thanks to everybody that went uh, outreach last sunday to the different nursing homes there what a blessing that was for those that could go to represent christ to the residents the family the staff and uh, thank you Thank you. We want to make sure we're always keeping our mind on Christ and making sure the gospel is going out. That's what it's about. So Matthew chapter 1 here this morning. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thankful for the time to be here. Thankful for those that came to the 830 and the 10 o'clock service this morning just to start the morning out remembering you, your birth, what that means and represents. And over this fun but chaotic day, help us to always keep our heart, mind, and soul focused on you. And we thank you and praise you for this time in your name. Amen. Now, the last couple Sundays, we've been going through our study here in the book of Matthew. And we've also then been talking a little bit about the Christmas story as well. We've talked about Mary. Obviously, we've talked about Jesus. And we've also talked about the wise men, etc. But here this morning, we're going to talk about Joseph. Joseph, I think, is one of the most underappreciated people in the Bible. Now, if you just ignore the fact of Joseph of who he was in the role with Mary, you have to remember that he's also the father to James and Jude, who went on to write books of the New Testament. So whatever term you want to use, he was either a foster dad to Jesus or a stepdad to Jesus. But Joseph is quite the amazing man. And as we get ready to go through this study in Joseph and understand who he is, there's two words I want you to remember. Obedience and faith. Keep those words in the back of your mind. Obedience and faith as we go through the life of Joseph here. So look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now let's stop there real quick. Let's just do a quick reminder of how the marriage process worked back during Bible times. There were three steps to the marriage process. The first step was the engagement. This would happen while you're extremely young. If you had a little boy and your neighbor had a little girl around four, five, six years old, the parents may get together and say, hey, our kids should get married. Right Then you're engaged. So it's quite possible you would know your future spouse literally your entire life. And you would know who you're going to marry before you could even have any other memories. That is going to be your spouse. You are now engaged. So you would grow up with this person. You would play with this person. You would be connected to this person. That's the engagement period. Now, that's not the term we use today. When someone gets engaged today, they start, hopefully, the process of planning for the wedding. But back then, the engagement process could go on for maybe 10 years. Now, the step that we're talking about here is they were betrothed. This is the next step in the marriage process. This means you're going to get married in probably about a year. At this time, Joseph would go and start preparing his house for Mary. He would start building it, getting it ready. And so this would last about a year. At this time, you are legally considered married. You're not living together. You've not had oneness yet together. But you are husband and wife in that sense. That's why Joseph, to get rid of Mary, if you will, would have to divorce her. Because they're legally married at this point. Even though they're not living together or one. The last step in the marriage process is the actual marriage ceremony itself. So when you see that they're betrothed, understand the importance of that. They are considered married, husband and wife, preparing their lives together. Now, think about what's going on here in Joseph's mind. As we've said with Mary, she could have been as young as maybe 14 years old. 14, 15, probably not older than 16. Now, most of the time when we think of Joseph, Joseph is always presented this way. He's always wearing brown. I don't know why. He always has a nice staff. And man, he's got a good beard, a nice trimmed beard. Joseph was probably a teenager too. Now now keep this in the mind. I I can remember when I first started teaching, I I can remember one of the pieces of advice that Pastor Crager gave me was always put yourself in the lesson. Think about this. You may know a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. Imagine them now pregnant with the child of God. And then imagine now Joseph, this teenage boy, dare I say, that now you have to make this decision on what you're going to do. Imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph. They have known each other all their lives. I I think the Bible would seem to hint and teach they had a love for each other. She shows up. I'm pregnant. Don't worry, it's God's. How is he supposed to respond to that? That's why now you have verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband. See, they're called husband and wife. Being a just man, depending on your translation, a faithful man, an upright man. This is not just a good guy. This carries a deeper spiritual significance. This man was a godly man. Not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. What's it mean to not make her a public example? Well, she could have been stoned to death. Joseph could have said, I'm going to bring you before the leaders of the town, the elders of the town. We're going to make accusations against you. You say you're pregnant. It is not mine. Therefore, here's the steps that would take. And I'm going to make a public example out of you. That's the extreme he could have gone. Instead, he says, I, I want to put her away secretly, saying, I just, I just want this to be done. Can't, can't we just move on? You go live your life, you go live your life, I'll live mine, and we're just going to do this quietly behind the scenes. The problem is this can't be done quietly. This is not a huge town. People know they're going to get married. They've known for 10 years they're going to get married. They've seen Joseph building his house. All of a sudden, it just stops. All of a sudden, Mary's belly starts to grow. There's a lot going on here. These are teenagers. There's a lot to think about. But Joseph is a just, faithful, upright, good person. He wants to do what's right. And what is he doing, verse 20? While he thought about these things. That word thought about these things is an interesting phrase in the Greek. It's only used three times in the Bible. Once for Joseph... Once for Peter when he has a vision, and once for Jesus. It does not mean just that you're making a pros and cons list. It means that you are really mauling this over. You're constantly thinking about it. It's coming back to your mind all the time. And so Joseph can't let this go. This is not just a little high school romance that fell apart. This is for as long as he could remember the woman he was supposed to be with, the woman that he loved, the woman that he was preparing his life to be with, and now she's pregnant with this unbelievable story. He's a good guy that doesn't just want to get rid of her, but at the same time, he can't move on with this. Behold, an angel of the Lord, verse 20, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth the Son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Here's this young man. Angel appears, saying, trust this. Trust this. Now, think about it. We talk about how Mary was chosen and what a blessing that is. Joseph was also chosen as well. What a privileged position this was. Now, we have to stop here and make a couple quick points about Joseph's life. First one, sometimes the tasks that God give you, first point, does not make sense to the world. Sometimes the tasks that God give you do not make sense to the world. Can you imagine Joseph trying to explain this to his family? I can remember Dawn and I got engaged when we were 18. We got married when we were 19. I remember one of the most nervous conversations I ever had with my father was when I was 18 going to my dad, trying to explain to him I felt like the Lord was leading me to go get married. Try to imagine Joseph going to his dad. Dad, I want to tell you something. Sit down. Mary and I are going to get married. By the way, she's pregnant, but don't worry, it's God's. Everything's fine. An angel came and told me it's all good. Imagine that. It doesn't make sense to the world. I see so often as Christians, we spend so much time and energy trying to fend our actions to the non-believing world. The world doesn't get us, people. They're not going to get us. We're going to do things in faith. We're going to do things because the Spirit led us. We're going to do things from a different moral standard. The world looks at us as fools, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You are accountable to the Lord. Be accountable to the Lord. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do does not make sense to the world. Now, point number two. Sometimes the things that God asks you to do doesn't make sense to us. There's been things that the Lord has laid on my heart and I'm like, Lord, this does not make sense. Once again, put yourself in Joseph's position. This is how you want to do this, Lord. This is how you want to save the sins of the world as a virgin birth and you want me to be involved with this? And this is confirmed by an angel? Remember the first word we said to remember in Joseph's life? Faith. Faith. Keep your hand here in Matthew chapter 1. Go with me to Hebrews 11, please. That word faith takes us to what we've been studying here in Hebrews. If you haven't been with us on Wednesdays, we're going through the book of Hebrews. We're up to Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter on faith. Faith. Let's read about what the definition of faith is. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you can see it, it's not faith. If God has to explain everything to you, it's not faith. That's why it's called a walk of faith. You don't see it, you don't get it, you don't understand it, but you still do it. So often I run into believers that are willing to do whatever the Lord has called them to do, as long as he explains himself and makes it clear. Then you're not walking by faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. Joseph is a man of faith. He doesn't get all the details. He doesn't understand all the details. It doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense to him, but he's going to walk in faith. One more point about Joseph. Sometimes the tasks that God gives us doesn't make sense to the world, doesn't make sense to us. Here's the third one. Here's the kicker. Sometimes the task that God gives us, we don't want to do. You don't want to do it. Joseph wanted to put her away secretly. He didn't want to deal with this. I had a situation not too long ago. I caught myself saying to Dawn, I don't want to. I understood what the Lord was doing. I understood what he wanted me to do. And I didn't want to do it. What an amazing phrase to come out of your mouth. Lord, master, controller of my life. I know what you want me to do. I don't want to. How can I call you Lord, master, controller of my life when I have the power to say no? Joseph did something he didn't necessarily want to do. And now maybe some of you here this morning, the Lord has laid something on your heart. You're going to go run into friends and family today. Tomorrow that maybe you normally don't talk to. Maybe you don't want to talk to. Your lifestyle is not going to make sense to them. It doesn't. They're going to look at how you live as foolishness. And sometimes what you do doesn't make sense to you. Lord, this is what you want me to do. And maybe it's something you don't even want to do. Which takes us to our fourth point of Joseph. We have to walk in faith. Joseph had to, in faith, trust the big picture that he did not see, nor did he understand. He had to take the word of an angel in a dream and believe that. See, Joseph has something that's interesting here. One of the commentators I was reading on this said, Joseph had a ministry of sleeping. Now think about that. Would you not like to have a ministry of sleeping? There are four times in Matthew 1 and in Matthew 2 that the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. Four times. That's how God chose to communicate to Joseph. Would you not like to be able to say that conclusively? To go up to your spouse, your kids in the middle of the afternoon and say, I'm going to go spend time with God. Wake me up in two hours. That's what a blessing. The Lord spoke to him in a dream. And in this dream, he had to walk in faith. He had to walk in faith. Now, before you think, well, that sounds really fun, take a look at one of his dreams. We've already looked at dream number one. Jump ahead one chapter to Matthew 2. Here's the second dream that Joseph had. This is after Jesus had been born. This is after the wise men had come. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. Now when they had departed. Behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Saying arise. Take the young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose he took the young child and his mother by night. And departed for Egypt. Do you realize how difficult that would be? Here you are. Settled in. And, I, and please don't think I'm picking on women. I'm not in any way whatsoever. I've seen it with my wife, with our five children. The women go through this nesting phase. They want everything to be perfect and organized and right. For the baby, everything has to be just fine. So you get everything organized right and fine. And all of a sudden, Joseph, in the middle of the night, has this dream. Flee to Egypt. And when did they leave? Verse 14. He took the young child and his mother by night. They did not wait till morning. I have learned in 20 years of marriage, I do not wake dawn up at night. It is not worth it. If the house is on fire, leave her. She would rather sleep through it. Some people don't want to be woke up at night. Can you imagine this situation right here? Joseph in the middle of the night. Mary, wake up. I had another dream. We need to go. We need to go to Egypt. And Mary says, okay, I'll start packing in the morning. No, we need to go now. And by the way, we're also going to Egypt. Pagan country. Pagan country. Not a lot of Jews right there, right now that we need to worry about. Not a godly country. And we're leaving now, at night, with a young child. What's the first word for Joseph again? Faith. Faith. What's the second word for Joseph? Obedience. Obedience. Keep your hand right there in Matthew 2. Go back to Matthew 1. So he has his dream, he has his vision. Verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel," which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from the sleep, here's the key word, verse 24, did. Did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He was obedient. Our two words, once again, faith, In obedience. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. He does it. Now we're about one week away from New Year's. And that means we're one week away from New Year's resolutions. If you've been coming out here long enough, you know my opinion on New Year's resolutions. I'm not a fan of them. Never really understood. I understood it and stand as a society. We like this day to start something new. And so we pick the middle of winter to start exercising. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So a lot of us are going to come in with some New Year's resolutions. And let's just talk about the spiritual ones. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better leader in my home. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better mother, sister in Christ. I want to spend more time in the Word. I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to be the ministry leader that God has called me. Amen. Amen to all that. But until you do verse 24, you do it. It's just all words. That's what makes Joseph so amazing. We only talked about two of the dreams he had. There's four of them. This man had the faith to do it and then the obedience to follow through on it. That's what makes this man so amazing. Yes, Mary, unbelievable to carry the Messiah, to be the mother to God. The wise men, we talked about them, their walk of faith. The shepherds, we talked about how just a fascinating study on who they were, that God chose them to be the first ones to hear the gospel message. But then there's Joseph. Joseph, that we kind of don't mention a lot. This man has faith and obedience that we can learn from and that we can see. I ask you to keep your hand in Hebrews 11. Go back there real quick. There's one more verse on faith that we need to talk about. Hebrews 11 verse 1 sets the tone for what we're dealing with. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That beautiful idea of I don't get it, I don't understand it, and let's remind ourselves of these points one more time. Sometimes the tasks that God gives us, number one, do not make sense to the world. Number two, does not make sense to us. Number three, we don't want to do it sometimes. But then point number four, we have to walk in faith to do it. What happens when we walk in faith? Jump ahead to verse 6 of Hebrews 11. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See there's a reward of walking in faith. Now before you start thinking reward. So often when we think of reward we start thinking of money. Now sometimes the reward of walking in faith is a deeper reward connection to the lord a deeper understanding of who he is a peace i can remember when i got discipled now it's been 23 years ago i was over at richard and betsy's house and they were the ones that were discipling me as a new believer and i can remember distinctly richard saying peace one of the greatest gifts that god can give you is peace and at the time i didn't get it i didn't understand it and the older i get the more i realize that's priceless if you have peace in your home it is priceless. I'm reading through Proverbs for devotions. And there's this constant references in Proverbs. To this idea of it's better to have peace. A home with peace with nothing. Than it is to have a home with everything. And not have peace. And I can remember Richard distinctly saying. As i being disciple? If you can lay down at night. And have peace with your spouse. Peace with your children. Peace with the Lord. Peace in your walk with God. Oh, it's priceless. And that is. And that is. And sometimes that reward of diligently seeking the Lord does not mean that everything in your life just works out perfectly. I'm not claiming that. But you have a peace with God saying, listen, that situation is not resolved. But I know I have followed it biblically and I've given it over to the Lord. And I can now lay my head down at night saying, Lord, I trust the God who neither sleeps nor slumbers will take care of it. Because I have peace that you're moving and working behind the scenes even when I don't see it. That is such a blessing. Sometimes that's the reward. That's the reward of diligently seeking him. It's just knowing that the Lord is moving and working. Let's jump back now to Matthew here, chapter 1. Joseph, then being aroused from his sleep, did, as we mentioned earlier, as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him to his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He did it. He did it. No matter what the social stigma was, no matter what people were going to say, he did it. Now, depending on how you want to take the verses, there's a couple of verses in the book of John that seem to hint that the religious leaders of the day knew about these supposed claims of Christ and his parentage, and they seem to make a couple little comments at him. Now, I don't know for sure how to take those, but there's a couple little points. Joseph is going to live the rest of his life having to know that not everybody's going to get what he just did, not understand what he just did not to be able to follow what he just did because this is such an amazing thing and they have to walk in faith with this. Can you imagine Joseph through the rest of his life, this understanding, this child is God, this child that I'm taking care of, this child that the Lord has asked me to be a part of. And Joseph, as far as we can tell, doesn't stick around for a long time. We don't know what happens for sure. He's obviously mentioned here in Matthew 1 and 2. But And we also see him a little bit later on when Jesus is about age 12 at the temple. But from that point forward, we don't see anything about Joseph. A lot of commentators believe he must have died early. We don't think he was around at the time of Jesus' death on the cross. Because during the Gospels, it never says anything about your mother and father are here to see you. It's your mother and your brothers. And when Jesus was on the cross, he told John, woman, behold your son. Excuse me, woman, son, behold your mom. And basically, woman, behold your son. He basically is telling John, take care of Mary. Because why? Joseph wasn't there. So he had a role, he fulfilled his role, and amen to that. So what does that mean for you? Remember the two words that we said at the beginning of the message. Faith and obedience. Can you walk in faith when it doesn't make sense to the world, it doesn't make sense to you, and sometimes you don't want to do it? Can you walk in faith like Joseph? Can you be obedient to walk in faith and to do the things you don't want to do? And can you be like Joseph and say, listen, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to do my role. I'm going to do my job. And I don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know what that looks like. But I'm going to be obedient in what God has called me to be. Because Joseph is just a regular guy like you and I that the Lord called to this divine deep privilege. Last passage I want to share with you. Can you go with me to 1 Corinthians, please? Chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1 let's talk about the people that God chooses to call let's talk about the people that God chooses to use please remember put yourself in the passage Joseph possibly a teenager a lot of questions a lot of confusion a lot of I don't know but he was willing to be obedient and to walk in faith first Corinthians chapter 1 we talked about this earlier about how sometimes the things that we do as believers, our morality, will not make sense to the world. Take a look at verse eighteen. I referenced that earlier. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. If we keep our eyes on the cross, nothing else. But now, jump down to verse twenty-six. These are the people that God wants to use to be obedient to walk in faith. First twenty-six. Where you see your calling, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. Now, if you're not following this right here, what Paul is basically going to do is going to insult you for the next few verses. How has he described you thus far? Verse 26. You're not very smart. You're not very strong. And you're not noble. Well known. Those are the people that the Lord likes to use. Aren't you glad you fit the bill? Now, let's see what else he says. Verse 27. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base, the low things of this world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. If you didn't catch that, look at the description God has given you again. Verse 27, he calls you foolish. He's called you weak. He's called you debased, low of the low group. He's called you despised. And verse 28, he basically calls you nothing. That's your God that loves you. So the way the Lord looks at us is foolish, not strong, low, debased. You heard the description. Why would God do that? Because of verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, our final point here is we look at Joseph. Joseph is just a regular guy that is upright, faithful, just, He's willing to put the Lord first. He's willing to be obedient when it doesn't make sense, when he doesn't see the big picture. He has to walk in faith. He's willing. And now the Lord is saying, I'm calling you the same thing. And now we have a tendency to say, I can't or I don't want to. And God says, wait a second. Do you know what your resume looks like? I know what your resume looks like. Let me remind you of your resume. You're a fool. You're despised. You're nothing. You're weak. You're debased. And he goes, I still love you. See, that's what Christmas is about. These are the people that God is choosing. These nothing people. That's what you and I are here this morning. We are absolutely nothing. And God says, I still want to have a relationship with you. We bring nothing to the table. Nothing to the table. My boys were asking me, because they're in this season of life where no matter what you try to teach them and preach to them about the meaning of Christmas, and they can repeat it, they got it down flat, even the little ones. What's the meaning of Christmas? The meaning of Christmas is, is this is the day we celebrate where Jesus is birth. And the reason we give gifts is because Jesus is the gift that God gave us. And it's not about the gifts. It's not about the gifts, Dad, but can we open them now? That You know, they, they got it down. And they were asking me the other day, they said, Dad, what's Christmas like for you as an adult? And it's like, there's just a joy in watching you guys. Now, do you remember when that switched over for you from a kid mentality to adult? I'm 39. It just happened this year. This year, it finally switched. And so what happens is when I see these passages about not many wise, the foolish, etc., I just envision God the Father sitting up in heaven saying, Gosh, I just love those kids. I just love them. And, you know, I love them so much that the way I'm going to take care of this problem is, Jesus, you and I are going to have to take care of this ourselves. You're going to have to go down to become one of them because they're fools. They're despised. They're nothing. They're debased. They're weak. They can't take care of this sin problem. Let's go love them enough. Let's become one with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Become the Savior for their sins. Because look at verse 30 now, 1 Corinthians 1. But of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Those are big, fancy theological words that means righteousness. You have been made right in God. Sanctification. You have been set apart in Jesus Christ. And redemption. You were so lost in sin. You were a slave to sin. That the blood of Jesus is the money God used to escape you out of slavery. You were bought out of it. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. It's Christmas and what that means. Hence verse 31. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Because when you really stop and you think about it, ah, we deserve nothing of this. It is by the grace of God that we are here. And by the grace of God that we are saved. And that's what we get to celebrate this morning. I'm glad you guys could make it out here this morning. I wanted to keep it a little bit short because I know you have family events, and I wanted to make sure you had time to get home and get ready for that. So we're going to try to be done by 11. Uh, the worship team had to take off because they had events to go to. Um, what I want to do is just close this out with some prayer here. As I really to stop and think about this day. If you guys would stand with me, I'd appreciate that. We are just here to celebrate you and to celebrate your birth, to celebrate what this day means. Thank you, Lord, for just giving us the guidance and direction to know who you are. We praise you for that. Lord, I just want to pray that we would have the faith to walk like Joseph did, that we'd have the obedience to walk like Joseph did. Help us today to not look at these get-togethers as about us, but as a chance to represent you, Lord, to represent you to a dying world. Thank you for your love, your grace, and mercy. Thank you for loving us fools. And Lord, I want to finish with this. You said in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you, Lord, for this child that we celebrate today. We lift this up in your name. Amen. You guys have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy the day. Be a light and a witness in all you say and do. And God's blessings.